day here at Seven Oaks. We've had the opportunity to celebrate a couple of different things. Of course, today is Mother's Day, so we want to continue to wish a happy Mother's Day to all of the mothers and grandmothers who we have here with us this evening. But also, we have the opportunity tonight, as we mentioned a couple of different times, to celebrate our saplings program. They're going to come out and do a program for us in just a few minutes. I know that they're going to do a great job with that and appreciate all the work that the teachers and the kids have put into that. I love the Saplings program. And if you're visiting with us tonight because of the Saplings program, we're thankful for you. We're thankful for your involvement in this program. Really, I serve three different roles in the Saplings program. The first couple I share with our youth minister who came up and led us in prayer just a few minutes ago. First, I'm a Bible story reader. And so every Thursday, Jacob and I go over and we read a Bible story to the four-year-old and the three-year-old class. And we really enjoy doing that. If we get anything wrong, they make sure to correct us on that. So we appreciate that. Uh, the second thing that Jacob and I do is we are, we are the music runners, I guess you could call it. We go up top during the three or four presentations that the saplings do every year and run the music for their program. So if you don't see us down here, don't think that we've left. We haven't gone to the Mexican restaurant early or anything like that. We're upstairs. We're going to run the music. And then third, I don't even think the people that go here to Seven Oaks recognize this. I'm the unofficial principal of the Saplings program. There's one of our kids who, uh, in our four-year-old class now, in our three-year-old class last year, she went and told one of her friends that Mr. Tyler was her principal. And so that title has just kind of stuck with me. I have to be honest with you, it's the easiest job that I've ever had. And it's just a title, there's no responsibilities with it, and I let Miss Brenda Youngblood think that she's in charge of everything. I can say that because I don't think she's in here right now. But we're thankful for you and, and thankful for you being with us tonight in our worship service. We hope that you'll take the opportunity to come and be with us any chance that you have. I thought... Since it's Mother's Day, and since we're celebrating our saplings tonight, I thought it'd be good for us to spend some time talking about parenting from Deuteronomy, the sixth chapter. For the next few moments, consider this question with me. What does God expect from parents? That's a pretty significant question. That's a pretty important question, isn't it? What does God expect from moms and dads? What does God expect from fathers and mothers? Don't forget that God oftentimes describes Himself as a parent, doesn't He? Whenever we read throughout the pages of Scripture, whenever we study the pages of God's Word, God oftentimes identifies Himself as the Heavenly Father. What does the Heavenly Father expect from earthly fathers and mothers? What does God expect from parents? Of course, we don't have the time tonight to give an exhaustive list but as we look at Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9 over the next few moments, I hope that we'll consider a couple of ideas that will be helpful to all of us. Number one, what does God expect from parents? God expects parents to be faithful to Him. I think that's where we need to start this conversation. This is the foundation that we need to build upon. God expects parents to live faithfully to Him on a daily basis. And you find this in this text in a number of different ways. Number one, in chapter 6 and verse number 4, God expects parents to listen to Him. Notice the first few words there, if you have your Bible open to Deuteronomy, the 6th chapter. The first three words in verse number 4 are what? Hear, O 
Israel. As Moses is addressing the Israelites as they're about to cross the Jordan River and enter into the Promised Land, as they're finally going to enter into the land that's flowing with milk and honey, Moses wants to make sure that the people are listening. He wants to make sure that they have their ears open to what he's about to say. This is where we need to start. Whenever we think about parents and what God expects from parents, when we think about how God expects parents to be faithful to Him, He expects them to listen, to hear what He has to say. So often in our culture, we think that we can do it on our own. We think that we have everything figured out and we can do everything based on our own strength, based on our own smarts, based on our own intellect. God says, I want you to listen to me. God has perfectly revealed to us His desires. God has perfectly revealed to us His expectations in the pages of His Word. And He expects us to listen. He expects us to hear. How much time do you spend on a weekly basis listening to God? Hearing what God has to say by reading and studying His inspired Word. This is where it starts. We have to listen to God. And then once we listen to God, we're able to build on top of that. Number two, God expects parents to have relationships with Him. You continue reading in chapter 6 and verse 4. Moses says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Notice how Moses describes the Lord there. He says that He is the Lord what? Our God. We're not talking about somebody here who's distant from us. We're not talking about somebody here who doesn't care about us. Somebody who is pushing us to the side. Moses does not say, Hear, O Israel, the Lord, the God. He says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord, our God. There's a world of difference between those two ideas. The God means, well, sure, there's a God out there somewhere. He may have created the world, but He doesn't have that much bearing on my life. He doesn't have a lot of bearing on the way that I choose to live on a daily basis. The Lord, our God, is something completely different. That means that I'm claiming a relationship with Him. I am His and He is mine. He is my God and I am His person. Every day I'm going to look to please Him. Every day I'm going to look to be who He wants me to be, to be closer to Him, to draw nearer to Him tomorrow than I am today. God expects parents to have a relationship with Him that's based upon knowledge, a knowledge of His identity. Hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Number three, God expects parents to love Him. Don't you love that statement in Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 5? This is quoted by Jesus in Matthew 22 as the greatest command in the entire Old Testament law. He says, you shall love the Lord your God. Again, notice the personal relationship there. It's not the Lord the God. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. God says, love me with everything that you have. Love me with every fiber of your being, with everything that you are, with everything that you do. Love me. We need to recognize that loving God is a whole lot more than just words, isn't it? Loving God is a whole lot more than just making a claim to love God. You look in John chapter 14 and verse number 15. Jesus says, if you love me, then you will keep my commandments. Loving God is not just something we say. It's not just a claim that we make. It's not just feelings or emotions that we have. Loving God motivates us to keep His commands. 
to live in obedience to Him, to be the people who He wants us to be. And then number four, God expects parents to focus on His Word. Notice that idea in verse number six. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. When you spend time reading and studying the Word of God, when you spend time in this book, how do you respond to it? If you're like me, you shut your Bible, you go about your day, and everything you read and studied immediately jumps out of your mind. Or maybe in settings like this one, if someone were to ask you an hour from now, what did you spend some time studying before the kids came out and did their program? Well, I'm not really sure what we spent time studying. I can't really remember. It enters into our minds, but then it leaves as quickly as it comes. Moses, God through Moses, asked for something different. Keep these words upon your heart, he says in verse 6. Allow these words to sink into your heart so that they're, you're going to take them wherever you go. They're going to direct your life. They're going to direct your path. They're going to direct the kind of decisions that you make on a daily basis. But it's not about the Word of God being inside of us. It's not just about the Word of God being in our hearts. Jump down to verse number 8. He says, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand. Imagine me carrying around a sign in my hand. I'm going to see it wherever I go. And whoever sees me is going to see it wherever I go. It's something that's going to be very obvious. He says you should take the Word of God and put it as a sign on your hand. He continues, they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. That's the idea of having a, a small little compartment that the Jews would put between their eyes. And in that compartment was a rolled up piece of parchment or paper. And on that paper was written Bible verses. You're keeping it right here right in between your eyes, in your focus, once again, where everybody is going to be able to see it. And then verse 9, you shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Whenever I go into my house, what am I going to see? I'm going to see the Word of God. Whenever I leave my house, what am I going to see? I'm going to see the Word of God. Now Jews throughout history took these things literally. They literally put the frontlet between their eyes. They literally put a sign on their hand. They literally wrote Scripture on the door frames of their houses. But I think the idea behind it is the one we see up on the screen. God wants us to focus on His Word. It's the song that should be stuck in our heads all day long, every single day that we live, thinking about God's Word, considering God's Word, keeping it in our hearts. What does God expect from parents? When we study throughout the majority of this passage in Deuteronomy chapter 6, He expects parents to be faithful to Him, to listen to Him, to have a relationship with Him, to love Him, to focus on His Word. Now you might be wondering, what does this have to do with parenting? These ideas carry application for everybody. What does this specifically have to do with being moms and dads, fathers and mothers? In this passage, before we talk about parenting, we need to talk about the parents, don't we? Before we talk about having a godly household and being godly parents, we need to spend some time talking about God. Before you can be the parent that God wants you to be, you have to be the person who God wants you to be. You have to live the life that God wants you to live. So this is the foundation. This is the building block. I'm going to live faithfully to Him. I'm going to take everything that I have and lay it at God's feet. Then I'm able to go on to the next step. Number two, God expects parents to teach their children the Word of God. Notice in Deuteronomy 6 and 7, 
the verse that we skipped over a minute ago, Moses tells Israel, you shall teach them, talking about the words, the words of God, you shall teach the words of God diligently to your children. I love that word diligently. What about you? When you do something diligently, it means you're putting all of your effort into it. It means you're doing the absolute best that you can to accomplish a specific task or to accomplish a specific purpose. God addresses parents here. Teach the Word of God diligently to your children. Put all that you have, put every effort that's within you into teaching your kids what is found in the pages of God's Word. Are we doing that? Are we involved in that? Are we investing our entire selves into teaching our kids what the Word of God teaches? Teaching our kids what Scripture plainly says. Okay, how do we do that? How do we diligently teach our kids the Word of God? Moses doesn't invite us into a program. Moses doesn't invite us into a weekly routine. He doesn't say, you shall teach them diligently to your children. And every Thursday night from 7 to 7.30, you need to have a family Bible study. And that's the time when you're going to talk about Scripture together as a family. Now, that's not a bad idea. But I think what Moses says here is a lot better. What Moses suggests is all about lifestyle. It's all about example. And it's all about intentionality. When do we teach our kids the Word of God? You shall talk to them when you sit in your house. Teach them the Word of God when you walk by the way. Teach them the Word of God when you lie down and go to sleep at night. Teach them the Word of God whenever you wake up, whenever you arise in the morning. If we were to invite that into our time, we'd say something like this. Teach your children the Word of God when you get them in the car and you drive them to school. Teach them the Word of God whenever you go to the baseball park for the evening for a baseball game. Teach your children the Word of God whenever you sit down at the dinner table and you're talking about your day. Be intentional about talking to your kids about God. Talking to them, teaching them about the words of Holy Scripture. It's something that's to be done consistently. Like we said, it's about example. It's about intentionality. It's about continually making sure that our kids know the Word of God not just so that they know the Word of God. Not just so that they can quote Bible verses, but so that they can know the One who gave us this book. We don't know the Word of God just for the sake of knowing God's Word. We know God's Word so that we can form relationships with God and so that we can be faithful to Him. Parents have a hard task set in front of them. They have to teach their kids so many different things. They teach their kids how to walk. They teach their kids how to talk. They send them to school to teach them their ABCs and, and one, two, threes. They teach their kids what's socially acceptable and what's not socially acceptable. You teach them how to play sports. Whenever they get up a little bit older, I'm thinking about our saplings kids, whenever they get up a little bit older, they're going to be wanting to drive. You're going to have to teach them how to drive. I know that was scary for my parents. I, I remember being the kid in the driver's seat. It was scary for me too. Parents have to teach their kids so many different things. Are we teaching them the Word of God? If we teach our kids everything about life, but we don't teach them about the One who gave them life, if we teach our kids everything about the world, but we don't teach them about the One who made the world, then we're not fulfilling what God expects for us. 
we're not doing what God wants us to do. It's no church's responsibility to make sure that our kids know the Word of God. We talked about that this morning in our worship service. That's something that God lays at the feet of parents. That God presents that responsibility to the parents. The question is, how are we going to fulfill that responsibility? What are we going to do with it? Two expectations from God. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9, two expectations from God for those who are parents, moms and dads, fathers and mothers. Be faithful to Him and teach your children the Word of God. Which that's not something that stops with your children, right? That's going to be a continual process. You're faithful to God. You teach your children the Word of God. Why? So that they'll grow up to be faithful to God and they're going to teach their children the Word of God. Then what happens? Those children are going to grow up to be faithful to the Lord and they're going to teach their children to be faithful to the Lord. It is a process that goes on and on and on and it starts right here. If you're struggling with one of those two ideas, maybe you're struggling to live faithfully to the Lord. Maybe you're struggling to have a household that is centered on Jesus, His cross, and His Word. We'd love to help you with that. We'd love to encourage you. We'd love to pray with you tonight as together we stand and sing our song of encouragement.